Hello, and welcome to A View from the Perch, a podcast covering important financial topics from the perspective of two certified financial planners. Each week, we give a brief market update, discuss current economic conditions, and provide education on a financial subject. Now, here are your hosts, Bill Parrott and Spencer Nguyen. All right, Bill, new week, same question. How are the markets? Yeah, we're up again. Uh, S&P 500 up 1.46. International stocks up 1.5%. Small caps are flat. They're down 0.1%. But bonds, long-term bonds up over 3%. Hmm. Over the past month, the long-term bond has jumped almost 10%, 9.6%. So that's a pretty impressive move. Uh, interest rates continue to come down. Uh, the 10 years below 4.4 right now, it's at 4.385. So that's given a big boost to the bond market. So all those people who threw in the towel on bonds, uh, we're seeing a little bit of a revival right now. Yeah, that's great news. And if interest rates drop, with the Fed and, and them saying it, that's only going to be a continual um, uplift for bonds, which would be awesome. We had a yeah. little bit of a spook with some of the Fed speak, and then I guess good news is bad news when it comes to retail sales. Is that how the market is digesting it, or what's really going on there? Well, the consumer is the last holdout, and mm. with wages rising, unemployment falling, and the consumer uh working they have money in their pocket and if they get paid they're spending their money most mm-hmm. people are spenders not savers so if retail sales start to come down that gives more ammunition for the fed to stop raising rates because the consumer is the last holdout in fed powell's puzzle because the consumer has been resilient mm-hmm. they've been spending on uh, and, and uh so if retail sales start to slow down a little bit that's good news for the bond market, good news for rates, and that's probably what Powell likes to see. Okay, so yeah, good news, bad news, but our bad news, good news, but how, what's the balance between that, where we have the consumer, they're kind of withdrawing, reducing their spending, at what point does it become an actual problem in terms of a potential recession? Well, when they stop spending, and (laughs) that's uh, that's, going to be the problem, but you know, there's no magic number. It's not mm. like if retail sales hit X, then that's that's the magic number. Um, if it just continues to fall, that's, that's not good because we are a consumer-driven society. We're a consumption society, so you don't want it to fall too far. But mm-hmm. if you look at the uh, consumer spending during, uh, you know, the initial phases of COVID, uh, the Great Recession, it, it fell like a stone. Hmm. And that's that's when people stop buying things. That's when you go into recession. Yeah, that makes sense. And feel, but those issues felt more like catalyst events that caused a lot of fear into people that kind of made them stop spending. In this instance, there's not really something that's ever present besides maybe the geopolitical conflict that would just have people stop their stop in their shoes and say, "I'm done spending." Well. It it inflation's high, so a lot of people mm. could be revolting. They're like, "Look, I'm I'm not paying twelve bucks for a loaf of bread or whatever it costs." Um, so you could have a little bit of that 
revolt going on. And if layoffs are increasing, uh, and they are, um, people start to get fearful. Yeah. So you, you, you layer that on top of higher prices, uh, some layoffs here and there, and, and, and people start to, to slow down a little bit. That makes sense. But it's been good for the past month or so or past couple of weeks. So let's just focus on that. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, I think the market, well, I know the market's anticipating the Fed is done. Yeah. And and that's why you see rates coming down. Inflation is 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 lower and and the market's saying okay. You know, it's uh all systems go right now. That is great news. We always like to hear that. We never we don't hear that very often. So <laughs> Perfect. Let's transition into our empowering education and it is gifting season. And gifting. so we want to talk about some ways to gift tax efficiently and just kind of educate our audience on some of strategies that can really help you not only donate, but also encourage a tax deduction and just give you that benefit as well. So before we jump into some of the strategies, can we talk about the annual exclusion for gifting? Because a lot of people think, oh, I can just gift whatever I want as much as I want and whenever I can. Yeah. And they can. Yeah. Uh, they, they could give away a billion dollars if they wanted to. Uh, but the annual gift exclusion uh, is $17,000 per person per year. If you give away $17,000 to somebody, it's a non-event. It's a non-taxable event to you. It's a non-taxable event to them. It's a great way for people to lower their estate. It's a great way for people to help others. And there's no tax impact to either party. Uh, you know, one strategy that we encourage grandparents to do, especially if they have grandkids, well, I guess they would have grandkids if they're grandparents, but uh, if they have young children is to use that annual gift exclusion to fund 529 plans. Yeah. So the grandparent gets that money out of the estate. Uh, the kids benefit because they get that money into education account. But $17,000 is that magic number where people can give away money without any tax issues. Yeah, and I like how you talk about the 529. We'll jump into that maybe next. But the big thing to know about this exclusion, if it's 70000 you don't have to be related. You don't have to have any sort of relationship. It's to whomever you want to give. Random Joe Blow on the street, your neighbors, that 17000 like you said, can be gifted without any tax, um, tax implication on either party, which I think sometimes gets... Uh, they think, oh, well, a lot of these rules are have to be family, I have to have some sort of relationship. This is all gone. You can just start walking down the street handing people 17000 and not have to worry about the gift tax or even yeah. the tax implications on the party that are receiving them. Yeah, and if you're married, that goes to, you know, uh, 34000 Yeah. So if you give away 34000 to 10 people, it's $340,000 a year that you can give away without any tax consequences or issues. And if you are in a situation where you need to lower your state, you could just start handing out bags of money to people and have no tax consequences. That's right. So let's talk about the 529 plan. So we, we talked about we can fund at 17000 or 34000 if you're married, but let's talk about the kind of the, the super contribution that we could do um, with 529s, a, a little bit special than other accounts that we see. Yeah, so they could do five years of contribution. So you could take that thirty-four thousand, multiply it by five, and and contribute that to a five twenty-nine plan. Mm -hmm. 
uh, as a one-time contribution. Uh, now you can't do anything for five years after that, but uh, that's a significant contribution that you could do. So if you wanted to really uh, front load that 529 plan, you could make a one-time contribution, five years worth of that exemption mm. uh, into the 529 plan. That's a significant number. Yeah, I mean, 170,000 is what it equates to, which is, yeah, yeah that's, that's great news. And you're not having to pay gift tax and the party receives it perfectly fine without any tapping implications, yeah. which is awesome. And also like for this five year rule, say you say, I can only do a hundred thousand. You still have that 70,000 to make up. It's not like it's an all or nothing thing. So that's what yeah. a lot of misconceptions happen there. So, but for example, say we have a person that wants to pay for their child or their grandchild's college. Do they have to use a 529 in order to kind of evade this or can they start, you know, let's just go directly to the source with the college? Yeah, they can go directly to the college and there's no restrictions or limitations on that. So if they were going to uh, UT here in town, University of Texas, they could just go directly to the university and pay the tuition on behalf of the child and then there's no restrictions over that, no concerns. Oh, wow. So you can... Here's 300000 to pay for the entirety of undergrad, graduate school, and no tax implications. Yeah. That's great. That is good to know. Even, even though you can get through UT without three hundred grand. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking John Hopkins. We're going to uh, R yeah, R undergraduate, pre-grad, and then graduate school, and then, then go to medical school, then get a, a law degree as well. There's all the things. Um, perfect. Can you talk to us a little bit about donor-advised funds? Yeah, these are awesome. Uh, uh, I, in my opinion, an underutilized estate asset, mm -hmm. uh, especially since the, the feds crank the standard deduction for people. Um, but a donor advised fund is, is a separate account. You transfer either cash or securities into it. Uh, you get a deduction for that contribution uh, that money grows tax-free, and then you can send it out to charities of your choice whenever you want. So let's say you transferred 100 grand worth of Apple stock in there today. You get that deduction, but you don't have to send that money out until whenever. I mean, there's no, there's no time frame on that. So that money can continue to grow, and then you can send it out to as many charities as you want. But here's the, the kicker, it's an irrevocable gift. So once that money goes into the, DA, the, the DAF, the Donor Advised Fund, you can't take it back out for your personal use. It has to go to a recognized charity. But this is a great account for uh, people with appreciated stock. Mm. Transfer the money in, liquidate the stock inside the Donor Advised Fund. You could reinvest it however you want, and then you could pay it out. So let's say you transfer a hundred grand in today, and you could send five grand to the Boy Scouts, five grand to the Girl Scouts, five grand to your church, and you're done for the year. There's no limit on how much you can give. There's no time frame. They're great accounts. Mm -hmm. You get the deduction. Where uh, I think there's two great uses for this account, uh, maybe three. But the first one is. You want to give, but you're not sure who to give to. Maybe the timing's not right, but you want that deduction. You could put it in a donor advised fund, get the deduction, and wait several years before you send it out to charities. And then the other uh, area where I see it working out really well, if you're a business owner and you sell your business and you have this huge influx of money 
and you don't have really any more deductions at that point, uh, you could put a chunk of change in the donor advised fund to offset some of that gain that you're getting hmm. uh, from the sale of your business. So uh, it's, it's a great account. Yeah, and that's that's a really good point about highly appreciated securities because instead of selling that and receiving that probably huge capital gains, which I know a lot of people that invested into Amazon or Apple or these kind of growth stocks 15 years ago, you could be seeing a world of gains. And instead of having to pay those, you can just immediately dump it or invest it into the DFA fund and then not have to pay those capital gains and give it to the charity yeah. of your choosing. Uh, yeah, I, I love DFA funds. Um, I think they're excellent and a great little estate planning and gifting. But it has to be a qualified charity, correct? Yeah, you can't uh, you know, send it to your neighbor who's doing a fundraiser for the local. Well, yeah. it, yes, it needs to be recognized. Okay. It, it has to be a 501c3 organization. Um, and it can't circle back to you. So mm. we get that question yeah. a lot. Like, hey, can I get it to my so-and-so? I'm like, no. It, it has to be a recognized charity. Um, and it's an irrevocable gift. It's a mm. one-way trade. Yeah, irrevocable. You have uh, that money is, is leaving, which makes sense why you get the deduction. Because if you're going to be able to grab it back, that's kind of um, a mute point. Perfect. Well, can we talk about QCDs, especially with... Um, people that have RMDs that don't really want to take their money. We, we hear that sometimes is I don't need this money. I don't want to get taxed on it. So how are QCDs a, a good gifting strategy? Yeah, these are another underutilized gifting strategy for people that are taking required minimum distributions. A qualified charitable distribution allows you to send up to hundred grand to charities of your choice right from your IRA account. So it satisfies the required minimum distribution. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay any tax on the distribution, and the charity gets their money. So it's a big win across the board. You cannot take a deduction for your charitable contribution because you're not paying any tax on the distribution. Yeah. So let's say your your RMD this year is fifty grand. You don't need it. You don't want it. You could do a fifty thousand dollar qualified charitable deduction to your local church, hospital, whatever, and you get the. Um, the benefit of satisfying your RMD requirements for the government, you don't have to pay taxes, and the charity gets fifty thousand dollars. So it's it's a huge win. Hundred grand is the max. Yeah, but it's not an all or nothing thing. Yeah. correct, right? You could say, oh, I I don't need twenty thousand of this RMD and and use that for charity, and then use the other thirty thousand for spending and income. Yep. Good. Good. Yep. Yeah. And that's uh, it's super easy. You know, mm -hmm. you just, we fill out a form, you tell us where you want it to go, and, and we send them a check. And it can be done uh, anonymously anonymously as well. Um, same thing with the donor advised fund, it can be anonymous, which to me defeats the purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's a struggle for charities when they get anonymous donations, because they spend a lot of uh, hours trying to figure out who gave them the money. Yeah. Uh, just put your name on it. Who cares? And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, donor advised fund, qualified charitable deduction um, are awesome ways to give, and and but put put your name on it. Yeah, and that was I have a one more strategy, but I like that kind of ideology because it's it's you always talk about this idea of a lot of people will say I'm just gonna as soon as I die I'll give up give all my money away, and you kind of yeah. push back on that. Can you kind of explain why? Well, I hate that. 
I mean, what a waste. Um, people who who give will tell you it's it's the joy of giving, the experience of giving, the, the, the beauty of seeing your dollars at work and helping others. And if you're giving when you're dead, you, you miss out on a big reason why you should give money away. Mm. And um, plus, there's a need out there right now. And uh, so we encourage people to give. That's one of the frustrating things that we see in our financial plans yeah. is how few dollars are going to charities. It's, it's such a nominal amount. And um, I was reading yesterday where Lending Tree did a study of giving for 2021. About half the country gave money and the average gift was $540. I mean, come on. I mean that that's a dinner of four for at a at a really super nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. But one thing that really hurt giving the last few years is that increase in the standard deduction. You know, if you're married, that number jumps to almost twenty eight thousand dollars. And so people who weren't giving more than that are who weren't itemizing stop giving. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to give today. There's the need today, and you get to experience the joy of the gift. I mean, that's that's tremendous. And I think a lot of people who don't give are missing out on that aspect of being charitably inclined. Yeah, and I guess we're on sync today because that was the next topic we we're going to discuss is this um, deduction clustering. And yeah. you are right. When the standard deduction was raised, a lot of people say, I can't give $26,000. Um, but what they started doing is instead of, hey, let's gift you know every single month or medical expenses or, or things of that nature or all the deductions they have let's just do it over time like we've normally done they say this year we're just going to cluster everything and have that gift that we would have been giving every single month for the past three years or two years but just give it all at once in order to have that eligibility to itemize and get over the standard deduction which i think this is a great strategy for people in in my social economic status and a lot, and I, I, I would venture to say a lot of people because giving 26,000, that's a lot. Um, that's a lot. And so planning on it, doing that, I think is, is huge. And so how I would work is say you have a monthly gift that you want to give. Um, instead of just doing that, put it into uh, a fund. I don't think it would work with the donor advice fund because you get the deduction immediately. Um, so put it in a taxable account. Make sure you bookmark that money because what we see is a lot of times it will get spent if it's if it's not um, out of sight. And so allow that money to accumulate. And then once you have an itemized year, just give it then. And so you're able to get that itemization that doesn't decrease um, your standard deduction or your ta- your taxable uh, amount, which I think would be very beneficial because a lot of people just have stopped giving in general because of the standard deduction. So there's ways around it um, if you still want to give. Yeah, that's a good good recommendation. And that, that bunching became popular after they did raise the deduction. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, don't don't put it in a donor advised fund because you will get that deduction immediately. But like, like you said, you know, put it into the account, um, separate it from your other funds and have that as your giving fund. Um, yeah, it's a good idea. You know, another account, um, you know, if you're listening, you're like, well, you know, yes, I see the benefit of giving money away, but what's in it for me other than the deduction? So one account that you could open up is a charitable remainder trust. Oh, yeah. 
you put money in and uh, you get an income stream for life, an annuity, uh, either a fixed dollar amount or a fixed percentage. And then when you pass away, the remainder of those assets go to your beneficiary. So if you're one of those persons that does want to give money when they, when they die, put it into a charitable remainder trust. That money comes back to you. You get monthly income. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have securities that have appreciated, you could put them into the trust, sell them, avoid the capital gain, and get a monthly income stream for as long as you're alive. And then when you pass away, the remainder of those assets, again, goes to your beneficiary, yeah, uh, which is a charity. Yeah, and not including your estate, which is huge if you're trying to um, lower your estate tax. So, yeah, CRATs yeah. And, and CRUTs are incredible charitable avenues in order to decrease your estate tax and even your taxes today. Perfect. Um, any other gifting strategies that we didn't hit that you want to let our listeners become aware of? Um, you know, we're, I think a lot of people are concerned that uh, if they give their money away today, their children won't have any money tomorrow, um, which we haven't really seen that happen. But anyways, uh, if that's the case, what you could do is set up a life insurance trust that goes to fund your children's inheritance. So let's say you give away a million dollars through a donor advised fund. You could buy a million dollar insurance policy and a trust that comes back to your children. So that way your children win, your estate wins, and the charity wins. That's if you are concerned that your children um, aren't going to be left with any assets after you pass away. Yeah, that's a really good point. Good old islets. We, we love those. Perfect. Yeah. Um, well, let's transition into our faithful finance. And today we're going to be in the book of Romans. And it's Romans 12, 2. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I think giving some context to this verse is very important because a lot of people read this and they think, okay, I have to do all the work in order to receive this transformation. I need to do and, and put in mass amounts of effort. And it's a different transformation than we're talking about. So Paul here is talking to already um, people that have professed Christ as their Lord and Savior to the Roman church. Mm. So a lot of people get mixed up and say, okay, does this mean that I have to try really hard to receive salvation? And we know salvation is not apart from works. Paul here is talking to people that are already believers and is really talking about sanctification. That's where the work really starts to go in because we can do nothing apart from the Lord's redemptive work. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this verse is it shows us our disposition, our original disposition, which is that of an earthly mind. And so how we think about things, what we do with the absence of Christ is very earthly. And I don't have kids, but I've been told that no parent has taught their kid how to lie, how to fight, or how to steal. But it somehow it always brings up if they steal a toy, they lie about something. It's just inherently in their genetics. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the most present when it comes to money, even amongst believers. Because our original kind of disposition is thinking earthly and when for some reason when we get that money I think the temptation to have an earthly view on it is dialed up to a 10 mm. um, and that's what I, I really see and so it's this idea of yeah I can 
transform my mind to be loving to my neighbor, to make sure I'm reading the scriptures, which are great things. But then when the money comes around, you're like, I don't know if I want to be transformed. I, I, I get nervous. I get insecure about this, uh, about this cash. And I think that's where this idea of, it says, be transformed by the renewal. Mm-hmm. And kind of the structure in the Greek about renewal is it's not a one-time thing. It's a continuation is how it was written. So it's this idea of every single day or every single time you receive your paycheck, every single time you receive your income, there's this idea or there's a temptation to be conformed mm-hmm. to what the world would have you do with the money we need to be on guard and be continually transformed. And every single time we receive any income, how do we renew our mind, mm. make sure we have a godly look on it and not just an earthly look on how we make decisions with that, with that money. Yeah, that's uh, an awesome verse. Cause I, I, I think, and I'm going to defer to you, but like the first 11 chapters, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> and then with verse one, in chapter 12, it says, therefore, you know, mm-hmm. it, this is where it starts to turn to the good, right? And, um, well, we've had this conversation before is being good stewards of your resources, God's resources. And mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people like to carve out certain things in the Bible that uh, meet their narrative uh, yeah. and, and not God's. And certainly money is probably right front and center there. And... Um, you know, I think it's, you can talk about gifting, like it, it's easy to be generous when you have like $10 in your pocket, mm. but what if it's a million dollars or a hundred million, you know, like, oh, well, maybe, maybe not, you know, it's like, because uh, uh, money changes people. So this, this verse is, um, I love this verse. It's, it's one that, that I read quite often. Yeah. And that's a really good point. The first, yeah, 11 chapters of Romans, especially chapter 11 or, or 8 is just very sin-filled and this is not therefore since we've been redeemed by christ yeah. let us go off and, and do good works and yeah i i do really appreciate this verse and i just think if we if we take what we learn from kind of our social lives and use those disciplines in our financial lives I, I, like you talked about a 524 dollars was the what was the average gift for the household um, for the entirety of the United States. And yeah, it's just that idea money's not, we always talk about this. Money's not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. And yeah. so if you are hoarding or loving your money more than the Lord, and even if you're not making quote unquote bad decisions, but there's bad, good, and then there's God's decisions. And so yeah. if we just take a step back once we receive and are trying to make decisions, renew our minds and then discern what the Lord has for us, it might not be the prototypical give all your money away, but it might be, hey, give this money to this allotment or to this person or to this place or this thing because they need it most right now. So it's just that idea. Yeah, yeah no, you know, he's not calling us to bury our talents or build bigger mm-hmm. barns, right? He wants us to help others. And going back to the financial planning, you know, one thing that we see for a lot of clients and prospects is that they're never going to run out of money. And we tell them, spend more, give more away, retire sooner. But that's been probably one of the thing, common themes with a lot of people that we work with. They can give away a chunk of change and still be fine financially. Yeah. And um, I wish more people would do it. Uh, it. It would be a game changer. 
I agree. And now, whoever listens to this, you got... I'm not going to say plethora because you don't like it. But you have a lot, of, uh, a lot of choices now and a lot of strategies that you can utilize. Yeah. And these are simple, easy strategies to implement. Super easy. Um, and you know, one thing that we didn't really talk about is you can give stock directly to a charitable organization. So you could transfer it uh, from your investment account to their brokerage account and get a deduction for that. And uh, that it's quick, it's efficient, don't need to open any accounts. Um, and, and that's a, a strategy that a lot of people don't employ either. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Perfect. Well, Bill, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, the Detroit Lions are rocking. <laughs> I think this is the first time in a long time where they've been in the uh, the lead in their division on Thanksgiving Day. I don't know how far back you'd have to go, but uh, been a while. Probably Barry Sanders' first or second season in the league. But um, yeah, just happy Thanksgiving and give early, give often. Yeah, awesome. And this is coming out on Monday, so we'll see if Bill mushed the the lines or not. <laughs> <laughs> we good to see. All righty, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.